Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Okay, welcome to another Fireside Chat. This is Alon. Today I'm joined by Scott Willis from the Canon Stats Substack. Scott, how you doing? Yeehaw, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, it's been a, a busy day, but a good day. Arsenal had a, a wonderful, wonderful performance in the Champions League. And that was uh, very nice to see after two disappointing results. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of why you're here and why, you know, a lot of people in FPL are talking about Arsenal is just the fixtures are good upcoming, but we're like, how good or not good is Arsenal? Is the big question. I mean, if you look at the table, everything's fine. You know, Arsenal are in fourth. The goal difference is fourth. The XG difference is fourth. Like, all good. And then you look under the hood and you're like, what's going on? Arsenal are clearly different this season than last season so far. And so, you know, which specific ways are standing out to you and which, you know, Arsenal are different? I mean, they certainly do not leave us with uh, a shortage of things to analyze and yeah. keep on our toes. I, I, the the biggest thing, and I think I, I've, I try to look at a bigger picture, I feel like Arsenal are having a little bit of a, a reaction to the end of last year, where... Arsenal lost William Saliba, they lost uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, and the defense really kind of uh, cratered. And yeah. I, I think that Mikel Arteta has, uh, maybe I'm projecting on here, but I think he has like a little bit of PTSD uh, <laughs> with how bad the defense kind of got there at the end. So he's almost reacted uh, 180 degrees in the other way of really strangling games, um, really, really focusing on we're going to be solid at the back. And uh, yes, it's going to come at the expense of the attacking numbers being able to do that. But I, I was just looking at something in Arsenal's last three home games. I think they faced seven shots total in three games, which That's is just insane. absolutely ridiculous. Um, a 0.06 XG in three games. So oh it, it has resulted in a team that has an absolute elite defense. I think if you go back and kind of like take away some of the, you know, the ma- like the massive errors that this team has done, yeah. uh, this team would be right up there, probably probably as the best defense in the league. Um, I know uh, John McKenzie from TIFO likes to say that Arsenal have developed into the best out-of-possession team, where <laughs> the pressing, the, the ability to... F- 
force teams into where Arsenal want to play has become a massive strength for them. So I think that is the the baseline that everything kind of like dovetails off of of where Arsenal have changed this year. Right, and that's it is kind of interesting because if you sort of break last season up until, you know, sort of first half, like a little bit also after the World Cup, I think Arsenal were still like on fire and then it, mm-hmm. you know, faded like mid-January onward and and it was all the defense, right? I mean, that was like where the statistics were like, oh my God, you know, letting up all of a sudden huge chances like on the counter, like, you know, Saliba's out, what's going on? But in the first half of the season, the defense was also elite while the attack was also putting up monster Man City kind of numbers, right? So I'm curious, like, I, I agree it's probably a natural reaction to be like, hey, the defense lost us the title. Let's, you know, let's make sure no one ever scores on us ever. Um, but there was something different going on in the first half of last season. Was that just Arsenal running hot? Or do you think that, like, actually to maintain that elite level of defense over the course of the season, these are the sacrifices that need to be, you know, made in attack? I think that there's a little bit of both in that. So I think if you kind of look at the the underlying numbers now, it's the team, the defense is better now. Yeah, I, I think that you could probably make a case that it's probably maybe too good. Like I know that's weird to say, like your defense is too good, but if you have to make sacrifices to make your defense that good, maybe you are leaning too far in one direction because yeah, last year uh, the team was able to be more aggressive and still had a very, very good defense behind it. Um, You know, you went back, you're asking, did the team run hot last year? And I think the answer is yes. But I think that if you still looked at the numbers, like it was still a team that was, I think justifiably at the top of the table. Like they were right there, you know, maybe Manchester City was slightly ahead, but they were a very solid 1B type yeah. of thing. Like, it wasn't like a, a team where Manchester City was number one and Arsenal were number two. It was, you know, Manchester City slightly ahead, but Arsenal really kind of putting up numbers, even, you know, uh, overperforming. Like, the underlying the shot numbers were excellent. The XG yeah. numbers were, were really good. Pressing was very good, being able to create these transition opportunities um, were all very good last year. And this year, it's not quite there. Um, it's, it's certainly in the concerning level. So I, you certainly brought up where the XG numbers this year are still looking fine. But it's when that is a lot of, uh, I guess, padded by the six penalties that Arsenal yeah. have got this year. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I think they're deserved penalties, right? Like, I don't think that Arsenal right. have gotten lucky per se that they've gotten these penalty calls. But uh, you know, that's that's not necessarily something that's repeatable and always going to happen. Um, right. with, yeah, you know, the, 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 that's the, the thing. The, it's like I, I was going to ask you about that. Like, is the do you feel like the balance is right, or do you feel like you know Arsenal's too low risk? Like, are are there too many guys back? Because obviously, like, I think we saw this from Man City over the course of last season. Was like defensive monsters, but they also bought Erling Holland. And so that like balanced, you know, we have an extra one or two center backs on the pitch, but we also have a guy who's just gonna get, you know, over an XG plus an XA per game and five shots a game. And it's a, it just balances the team, right? So is Arsenal right now like too low risk? Do you think that they're not putting themselves in a position to you know create chances and score goals? Or do you think this is something that will maybe work itself out? 
as you know, a lot of new players are still being integrated and a lot of injuries are mounting up? I think the answer is a an unsatisfying maybe. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of when you look at the way the team is building up, it, it's a very similar style to last year, where it's kind of uh, a back two and a half, where you know it's a uh, Saliba, Gabrielle, and then Ben White will sometimes kind of come in to make a back three, but Ben White has a uh, you know that half role where he can be in multiple lines, where he has the ability to you know stay in with the back three. He has a chance to help make a third man in midfield, but then he also is the guy that will be on the outside of Saka um, quite often, um, being able to make those overlapping runs to support. So I, I don't think that Arsenal are saying having too many people back. I think the right. one thing that is different is perhaps the speed at which they're building up. Mm. Um, so Arsenal were never a fast team last year, but they were a lot closer to the average speed in the Premier League. And this year, that has now switched to Arsenal with the, the, the third slowest buildup mm. in the Premier League. So we know Manchester City likes to play a very slow, deliberate process. Uh, Brighton have also become a very slow, deliberate team um, trying to really force teams to come out to them. And I think that's where they're trying to uh, create these kind of like faux transition styles. Where, right. um, But Arsenal, I don't think, are trying to necessarily do the faux transition with people kind of pulling onto them. I think their slow buildup is a lot more of uh, we're going to deliberately move the ball up the field um, and you know make sure that you don't... We always have the numbers, we have the positions, so people can't counterattack on top of Arsenal right now. So a lot more towards, I yeah. guess, the Manchester City style of buildup. It's so many side passes and back, backwards passes. It's so frustrating in fantasy because you're just like, oh, where's Sokka? I think he's you know <laughs> sort of the the poster boy of like Arsenal's attack for last mm -hmm. season. And he was, you know, he's the most, one of the most popular picks in fantasy. And, you know, I have him, a lot of people have him. And again, it's like the numbers across the board individually. I mean, obviously if the team numbers are down, but individually are also down, right? I mean, Sokka this year, it seems like he's taking on less people. He's taking a lot less shots, like almost a full shot less per 90. Um, you know, Odegaard's numbers are way down. I think Martinelli's too. And but what do you make of Saka this year? I mean, is it is it something different in his game? Do you think he's changed or Arteta's asking him to change or what's going on there? When you look at the positions he's taking up, that hasn't really changed. Mm. It, it, within the attack, it, it's really hard to say because I don't think there's been a lot of time. I'd have to go back and check the actual minutes, but it feels like it's uh, under one game where Arsenal have had oh, a yeah. starting front it, three in the Premier League. Um, yeah, it's I, like, I, it's, it, I think it's happened three times in the Champions League, but it has happened just like <laughs> once in the actual Premier League where Arsenal have had Martinelli, Jesus, Saka able to start together. Right. Um, so that right there is already something that I think complicates it because I think one of the things that Gabriel Jesus is kind of underrated in is his ability to switch to both the left and the right and to get these guys into more central positions where they are able to be more dangerous. So one right. of the knocks on Gabriel Jesus is that, you know, he is not always a, the best out and out number nine, but I right. think he brings out the best in some of the other players that are around him with his ability to kind of so easily swap into their positions. Right. And then even taking a step further back, 
you look at you know what what Arsenal had last year, and two thirds of the midfield has changed. Uh, yeah. You know, Thomas Party is still with Arsenal, but he is not actually played as a midfielder for at least as a starter yet this season. Yeah. He played um, the starting of the season as a right back who tucked in, who was inverting and being able to do that. And now he's spent a lot of time out on the sideline. And it looks like he is out at least in through December, at least for right now. And yeah. then he'll have AFCON coming up after that. So <laughs> it's something that has absolutely um, changed the way that Arsenal are playing. And then, you know, there's Kai Havertz, who's been uh, yeah. uh, a giant lightning rod <laughs> for <laughs> Arsenal fans and how he's being able to do. And, you know, Granit Xhaka was a whipping boy for his entire Arsenal career for what, you know, it always felt like we could get better than out of that position. And, you know, now maybe it's a, a little bit of a, we didn't realize how good we had it with Granit Xhaka with some of the, I think, unheralded things that he did. Um, I think he was a player that was able to help get the most out of, say, an Alexander Zinchenko, um, where Granit Xhaka was really good at understanding and covering for him in the left back space. Um, similar to like when Martinelli wanted to cut in, Gabriel or so uh, Xhaka was very good at moving out to the left half space and being able to to give the the numbers to fill it in. And it's not that that Kai Havertz can't do it, but it's learning a new position, new teammates being able to do it. And he just yeah. hasn't looked quite as comfortable on that left-hand side. And I think that's still a massive open question for Arsenal right now. Right. Yeah, it all makes sense. I mean, you didn't even mention Rice. I mean, right? It's like, <laughs> and now with Odegaard out, I mean, it's basically an entire new midfield, right? I that's mean, right. It's Jorginho at the six, Rice, and then, you know, maybe Kai, maybe Vieira, maybe... And maybe he'll try Trossard or Zinchenko there. Who knows? You're right. It's like a work in progress all the way. And Odegaard, I mean, his numbers are just completely like bottomed out. He's like not even creating chances. He's just taking like long range, bad shots. And maybe he was carrying something because he wasn't even in the squad today. I saw. So I don't know what's going on there. Any, <laughs> any word on that? <laughs> I mean, I, there's whispers going on about what it could be. And it's, I don't know. I, I I I don't know the severity of some of the things, but I've heard that it's not necessarily awesome and great. And he okay. could be probably not going to be in again this weekend. Okay. Um, still trying to to get back to things, and yeah, like I think that's a a big miss. Especially you kind of you you alluded to the run of games that Arsenal have coming, and it really does feel like those were the games that you know Ard Odegaard hasn't been at his best, but those are the games that his creativity would really, really be an asset to be able yeah. to, to kind of help. Um, because I do expect that Arsenal will play a lot of low box coming up right. and uh, you need someone to be able to kind of have that final pass to be able to, to kind of do it. And it's been frustrating to kind of watch Odegaard this season because it feels like when he does try some of those, you know, through balls or those little passes through the lines, they haven't quite been at the timing um, and on the same wavelength as some of his teammates. Um, right. I think there's been some times where it feels like he's hunting his shots a little bit more and yeah, like not just kind of letting it flow to him because I know one of the things that last year he was so good at is not necessarily 
hunting his own shot, but being on the end of the, a lot of the cutbacks that Arsenal right. were able to, to generate. So, you know, Martinelli getting, to, the box. Yeah, yeah. Martinelli getting to the byline and he's right there in that spot between the, you know, the D and the penalty spot and just sweep him home yeah. being able to do it. And I and think he's that's such a good thing. finisher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Finding yeah. those corners. Um, but yeah, it's like the distance that he's shooting from has gone way up and then yeah. the average shot quality is way down, um, yeah. even though the shot numbers are roughly the same. So how does how does the attack improve and and can the attack improve without hurting the defensive dominance so far this season? I think there is probably a way for it to happen. Um, I, I was I found some solace in today's performance um, right. against Sevilla. Um, so Eddie Nketiah is also suffering from a knock. So uh, that's now two strikers down for Arsenal. <laughs> and so it's uh, Leandro Chassard that stepped up. And this is something similar that happened last year. So Eddie Nketiah had a, a solid run of games to keep kind of Arsenal afloat in the um, in the yeah. title hunt, being able to do it. But it, it kind of felt like things stalled out a bit with him, um, where teams kind of figured out how to play against him. And... Leandro Chassard certainly asks different questions. And if you were to ask me, like, who was, like, the, the closest, you know, like-for-like uh, like for Gabriel Jesus in the squad, I would point to Leandro Chassard as that person. Um, I, I don't think he's nearly as good as Jesus, but he is comfortable vacating, playing as a lot more of, yeah. a, you know, that false nine. He's comfortable switching out to the left. He's comfortable switching out to the right. He's much more comfortable coming back into central spaces and helping to do build up. Um, I think his pressing is quite good as well um, to be able to do that. So if there is something that looks to maybe be a, a bright spot in the future while Jesus is out, it maybe is um, getting Troussard in there. Um, and maybe that is a chance for getting Martinelli and Saka into more of those central positions that they haven't been able to do quite as much this year. Yeah, it, it is kind of curious that Troussard has played like almost no minutes at nine this year, right? I mean, like, I remember he, that He had time. one start against Fulham start. Um, where he got 45 minutes and that was it. And if I remember correctly, Arsenal put up like massive numbers, just had like two dumb mistakes to concede two goals and, and, you know, drop points or something like that. But yeah, I mean, he was so, he was like a revelation when he came in January. Like I remember he put up like, in, uh, like yeah, incredible assist, assist numbers. Uh, yeah, like assist crazy numbers. assist numbers, clearly getting the best out of Martinelli, getting the best out of Saka. And then this season, Jesus starts the season injured and, you know, Shout out to Nate, my friend Nate, who's a big Arsenal fan. He's like, I think Trossler's the best option there. Like, I think he's going to start there. And Ketia just starts every game, basically, right? I mean, every time Jesus is out and Ketia's starting, and then it takes an injury to Ketia also to get Trossler minutes there. So, I don't know. That is something I think that, like, maybe you, maybe it's like lucking into, you know, something that might spark the attack a little bit better if, if the same thing happens that did last year. Um, because I remember at the the uh, tail end of last year, um, there was a lot of questions about like what's wrong with Martinelli, um, and it was a, a similar kind of thing where it, it just felt like it's not to like beat Enkedia because. I think that a lot of teams would be lucky to have a backup striker of his quality. Absolutely, he's good. Um, yeah, it's just uh, he's not a guy that I think you could have for long stretches of the time if you want to be a title challenging team. I think that. With a team as good as Arsenal, if you had Enkedi as your starter, I think your your ceiling is probably in that fourth to sixth range, and right. like that's a perfectly adequate 
you know thing for a, a backup striker to be able to be, but I think it does start to you know start to look for more questions if Jesus is going to be out for longer periods of time. And I, I kind of hoped that you know Arteta had would try something sooner, but you know maybe it's a, a kind of a, a luck to force uh, his yeah. hand here to see something new coming in. Yeah. So I I don't know the severity of Nketiah's injury. Maybe you know, but I don't do you think expect- that Arsenal are incredibly uh, yeah, secretive they- <laughs> on the injuries. Yeah. So nobody really knows what the yeah. the severity is of anybody's injury. Because I, I mean, do you expect him to maybe start Trossard in this run? I mean, you know, home Burnley away, Brentford, home Wolves away, Luton. Is this maybe an opportunity to jump on Trossard and you know, fantasy or something like that? I, you know, I, I would. I, my feeling is that Trossard would get the Burnley game, and then there's an international break, so right. it's hard to say who hard comes say. after that. Um, I, I think it's more of a, a knock, is what they're saying. So not okay. necessarily any sort of a, a long-term type injury, but right. one that maybe is enough to to keep him out for a weekend, um, especially after Trossard, I think, had a very good performance against Sevilla. You know, he had a, yep. a, a really nice taken goal, and I think you know really kind of led the line quite well. He was able to, to get off early in that match too so it's not like he had to play a, a full 90 um, so I think that might be a signal yeah. that he might start again on the weekend yeah and I mean just looking at the you know XG that you posted you know 1.5 to 0. 0.0 <laughs> like that's got that's probably one of Arsenal's best performances of the season right yeah, I mean, it's up there. They had a, another one. Was I can't remember. Was it the the Sheffield game where they they allowed it just oh, the, right. the one a similar, just the one shot? Um, right. uh, and yeah, you know, it, it's not literally zero. It's a it's just the rounding to. It's just less than point zero five. five. Yeah, so it, did, yeah. Didn't, it didn't round up to a the whole decimal point. Right, right, right. So what with those four fixtures ahead of you, like what? Where is you know sort of where are you? Where's the Arsenal fandom? realistically expecting this team to be like what would you be happy with in those four matches like is it just you know 12 points or we we're blowing it or is it sort of like are you tempering your expectations a little bit with the the way the season started or expecting improvements I am expecting improvements. Um, I mean, I really like 12 points, but that might be still too much to ask. Um, yeah. You know, Brentford are one of the teams Away, that Brentford are... Stuff. Yeah, so like that's not necessarily a gimme type of game. Yeah. So like, I think if you drop point one point, you know, or see if you drop points in one of those fixtures, yeah. it, you're probably okay with it. But if it's something like you're getting... If you get 10 points from this run, you're very happy. Very happy. You get yeah. 9 points, you could probably deal with it happy but 12 points i think is the the absolute goal right if if arsenal want to be title challengers yeah. i think it, it needs to be 12 points um otherwise yeah it's it's uh if it's only 10 points it, it doesn't really probably improve arsenal's uh, spot there because we're in a spot where we're, we're chasing um uh, yeah. kind of the the it's such a a hard situation where it feels like every dropped point when you're facing Manchester City is lethal. You don't need to tell me about this. I'm a <laughs> Liverpool fan. I mean, I have, it's been five years for me of just like, you know, losing on a, a 12:30 Saturday kickoff and just being like, oh my god, there's the title. You know, yeah, um, it's, it's just draining to feel brutal. like you have to get to 90 plus points and like even you know like back in the day like. I, 
you know, what Arsenal did last year, when you kind of go look at, you know, the illustrious history of Arsenal, and that is a season that is up there with the best yeah. ever that Arsenal have ever done. And we were still, you know, well short of uh, the title. Yeah. It's it's crazy, the the bar that they've set. I mean, it, we, I feel like we all, it, it like distorted all of us because we're all watching every year. It's just like 100 points to 99 points and then 98 points to 97 points. And the year Liverpool won the title is, I think, 98 or something. And it was just like, oh, I guess this is just normal now. And it's like, this shouldn't be normal. This is crazy. Um, all right. So let's do some just more, you know, straight up fantasy stuff. So the back foot, we've talked about how good the defense is. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think people should be investing in the defense in FPL. That, that makes sense. Um, I think Saliba, Ben White, very safe. They seem to just start every game. What's going on with Gabriel? It seems like, you know, the start of the season, he wasn't in the in, in the 11. He was just like a late sub. I think Sheffield United game was the game. He just maybe got rested or rotated, but I feel like traditionally center backs don't really need rest or rotation. So that one was a little weird. And then left back is like sometimes Zinchenko, sometimes Tomiyasu, sometimes it switches at half. And then also I'm, I'm curious what you think about the keeper situation. Like, is that Raya's to lose? Like, is he just nailed the guy now? Or do you expect some rotation there? So on the keeper, I think that it's Raya's position. Um, okay. I, I know it's, you know, he said that, you know, Arteta has said that he wants to rotate, be able to do those kinds of things, but I, I, I really just don't buy it. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> Managers I, I, lie all the time. <laughs> and I think it's some of it, like he's trying to like soften the blow a little bit. And I think there is a path that, you know, Raya could lose the position, but I think he's very well in a spot where, it's his spot, and he would have to do some massive mistakes to lose it. Um, we've already seen him, you know, uh, make some errors. He's covered for himself, himself to be able to do it. Like it hasn't gone yeah. and and actually cost him like any goals necessarily yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, and Arteta has still stuck with him. And even in the the last game, uh, West Ham in the the League Cup, uh, Ramsdale was fine to maybe just uh, slightly below average there. So. Um, that's the. I think there hasn't been anything from Ramsdale that has blown me away to say that he's coming to get it. There will be right. the the game against Brentford where right. Raya won't be able to play, so right. that is going to be a Ramsdale game. So he'll That's have a a, another yeah. another chance to to kind of show it. <laughs> but I think for now, my opinion is it's like eighty percent Raya's, and right. it would take a, a pretty bad run of performance to to see him lose it. Um, okay. At the the right back, um, I, I think that is 100% Ben White's position. Yeah. Um, like I, I thought, maybe even today he might actually get a rest because he just has played. I think he's played every game that Arsenal have, yeah, have played he just this plays year nonstop. Yeah, like he's had a. I think he just got his first like break where he got subbed off like in the League <laughs> Cup. Like so, like he's just a, a guy that's always there. He's always available. Um, so I, I think that's a pretty dependable um, spot to be able to do it. And I, I'm I can and continually impressed by Ben White. Like this guy yeah. is a center back by trade, Same. and <laughs> and he just is a he's never like has like a when we do podcasts like we do a, a, a format that's you know stock rising stock falling and you know you kind of think about which players are you know increased our our standing of them and yeah. Ben White is always that guy that's kind of like right on the periphery of a stock rising so yeah. it's like he's never like done like he never has a standout amazing game but he, like he's a guy that like never really disappoints you um although i would say maybe the Newcastle game like I, 
the one the one goal I I'd put most of the blame onto him. Even yeah. though you know maybe it's a foul. A lot of other things, things happened to sure. that goal. But yeah. like, <laughs> the you know kind of switching off and not going yeah. and closing out Willick was probably yeah. the one that's the the biggest mistake. Out he of just all saw them. Willick and was like, "Oh, Joe's got it. He's Arsenal <laughs> guy." <laughs> um, and then yeah, getting into the center back. Yeah, I think William Saliba. I, I was just just talking with somebody else online today, and. I think William Saliba might be the most valuable player to Arsenal to be. I mean, based off of la- the fall off last year and then the rebound this year, I mean, yeah, it's hard to deny. Yeah, like he's he's very much like the the Van Dyke, um, yeah. the the kind of was the missing piece that allows you to play this high pressing, high line style, and he just is so good. Um, if there's ever like a duel, like where like he's running back with somebody, like I feel incredibly confident that he's yeah. going to be able to to handle it, be able to do it. His passing is always just feels like it's perfect. Um, yeah. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and when he does make mistakes, uh, the guy is just a physical beast to be able to <laughs> cover for them. Um, yeah. yeah, he's uh, probably. I, I mean, maybe this is my rose colored glasses, but I think he might be the best center back in the Premier League right now. Um, th- th- I would not trade um, him for any player on any other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially given his age and kind of where you would expect him to go from twenty-two. There, so. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, insane. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I love to be able to watch him weekend week out i feel like a, it's a, a treat to be able to do it <laughs> it's definitely a treat what about and the other I, I, center if, back I, I, I do worry back. about how long it's gonna stay because it's like i wonder if like real madrid's gonna come with like some right. stupid bid in like two or three years that but, seems likely but maybe <laughs> arsenal win you know titles and he'll just be like why would i go to real madrid so yeah maybe um <laughs> yeah the, the gabriel one though is interesting so i i I'm kind of there's a couple theories that I have about the the early start of the season. So I think that that is one of the things that I think Arteta wanted to do was trying to keep party in the lineup. And one of the ways to do that was to basically shift everybody over and, yeah. you know, put party as the, the right back. So Arsenal did kind of a, it was a, Kivior, or I think they also um, did some t- Tomiyasu on the left. Right? Yeah, Timber. Oh, yeah, timber, for the first yeah. half. Yeah, of that first game. Oh, what yeah. a, a bummer to see him get injured. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think he also wanted to keep Saliba as the center guy in the buildup to be able to do that, and so that kind of necessitated that you dropped someone on the left right. to be able to do it. So, and I. There possibly was some stuff about, like, you know, he was uh, flirting with uh, mo- a move to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, was there something there also? It's hard to say. But basically, since he's the transfer window is shut, he's been the guy. The one time that he didn't start, that was also following I think, an international break where he was in South America mm. uh, with Brazil. He had two games that were pretty high intensity. So, it's, it wasn't like a. A massive surprise, that and it was Sheffield United at home. It so it's like if exactly there's one time, yeah, there's one time yeah. we can we can make this change, get him a rest, be able to do it. So I, I think that is something that Arsenal will pick and choose games to kind of okay. give him a little bit of break. But I think he is the the guy for ninety five percent of the matches. Yeah. The left back situation, though, seems I, like a no no fly zone almost. I. <laughs> Don't think I would trust um, Zinchenko as the number one starter um, anymore right now. I, I think this coming weekend is a Zinchenko game. Yeah, I think that you know the Burnley at home 
you want to be able to have his passing in there. I think this might be an interesting one where we might not see Jorginho in the middle again. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like given his age, like how much he can play uh, twice right. a week. So this might be a, a game for Zinchenko and, you know, what you do a Zinchenko rice at the six and right. use them as the double pivot in possession to be able to do it. And then maybe you, you bring in like a, a Fabio Vieira to be able to, to kind of pair in there. So I, I think Vieira that and of, Havertz as the eights or something. Yeah, I think that yeah. might be the way it goes, and I think it's going to be a mix and match type of thing because you look at what Tomiyasu has done. He looks to be fully recovered from his knee injury last year, which was an absolute bummer and yeah. really, really made the blow of losing Saliba incredibly hard to deal with because. You know, uh, that was part of the problem with Arsenal's depth last year is that we had several guys that were uh, the backup in multiple positions. And yeah. when you get hit with uh, an injury and then the guy who you expect to be the guy to cover for him also at the same time, <laughs> it was very, very hard. But no, he's he's come back and he's looked really good. So you wouldn't necessarily think of a, a guy that's right footed looking incredibly comfortable on the left, but he does like he's one of the more two-footed players in the Premier League right now. Um, he's very comfortable being able to step into midfield. Um, he's also been a guy that finds himself further forward um, often. Um, you you think back to the, the goal that Arsenal actually score against Manchester City. Yeah, uh, he's he's basically Huge. playing striker, um, and he gets a, a beautiful knockdown, and then Havertz is the one that sets up Gabriel uh, Martinelli to score it. So, but that is something that you know, Tommy Asu is capable of doing that, you know, Zinchenko doesn't do. Um, and he's also just uh, one of the best, probably like one-on-one defenders at the team. So anytime Arsenal are going to go up against a team that has a, a dangerous winger, I expect that you'll see Tommy Asu yeah, kind of come in. Yeah, that's fair. What about, is there any Zinchenko in midfield stuff in the Arsenal world? Because I mean, I'm dying for it personally. I, like he plays so well, you know, international internationally captains aside plays sort of a left eight and he's so good at it. And, you know, with the Odegaard injury and the Havertz up and down start to his, you know, Arsenal career, Jorginho doesn't inspire me that much. I, I don't know. I'm just curious, like, you know, if in those games where maybe Arsenal expect to be by far the most dominant side, like you said, Burnley, maybe not a Jorginho game, maybe Rice is in the six, like, who are the who are your preferred eights and who else do you think can maybe do a job there? Like can Trossard do a job there? Like I'm just there's so many I just feel like the the, the Arsenal players are so versatile. <laughs> and like it's almost like a video game. It's like I wanna try this guy here and this guy here and I think they could do it. You know, like Martinelli at nine and like, you know, there's there's so much potential stuff, but it never really happens. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, you know, if there's any potential shakeups in midfield that you're, you're dying to see. So that is certainly in the, the Arsenal uh, fandom, something that has been kicked around that people would love to be able to see. Because one of the things that Arsenal have prioritized in their squad building is, one, they want incredibly highly technical players. And yeah. then the second thing they seem to absolutely prize is being comfortable playing in multiple positions. 
and I think that is a, a hallmark throughout the squad yeah. of the te- of the players that they've they've brought in um, over the last probably like two or three windows. And I think it is interesting to kind of wonder about Zinchenko, um, yeah, especially given the the injury situation right now that is in midfield. Um, yeah. If yeah, if you kind of think about it, if you know Jorginho isn't capable of going. That kind of leaves Arsenal with two midfielders that are kind of available. Yeah. Right? I guess if you count Vieira, so it could be like yeah. a you know uh, in there. But uh, we saw today at the end of the Sevilla match, uh, Arteta would have rather brought on so they brought on Kivior and moved Zinchenko to right wing. Like who who would have thought that that was something that is certainly yeah. possible to be able to do? But you know, you think about it, right? Sure. Like he he fits the kind of the mold, right? He's kind of an attacking minded player, left footed, and yeah. Arsenal want a, a guy that can invert on and that he's side. Safe, he's really safe, right? Like he can just play in possession very comfortably. Like he's not gonna dance around defenders like Saka might do. And you know, like that that second goal is ridiculous from Saka. But um, yeah, I get you know, I could see it in a little imitation. And, you know, when he does actually play, like, his touch map is not that of a fullback. It's that of a midfielder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, totally. like, Even though he lines up nominally as a left back, and he defends as a, less, a left back, he helps, you know, cover on that side of the field. Yeah. Um, but he definitely does not play as a left back. I think one of the things that's really interesting this year is because Declan Rice is a more left-sided type of player. He naturally is drawn to the left side of the midfield. You'll see Zinchenko go all the way to the right side mm. to be the right side of a, a double pivot with Rice. Um, so that's something that you know you wouldn't have normally kind of expected you know, from your left back to be going to play <laughs> on the right side to be able to kind of do things. But yeah, he, he's always been given a free role in possession to right. kind of go be... One of his things that he always seems to pop up and like you don't even like notice him half the time, but he's like always like six to eight yards away from wherever the ball is, um, always giving oh, an outlet okay. to be able to pass and, you know, being able to, to recover and, you know, set the next pass up to do things. So right. I, I don't know, like, could he start as a, a midfielder? Probably. Um, yeah. He already plays as a midfielder, like most Basically, of the time. And yeah. <laughs> it, it's like the, the next logical step to be able to do it. Uh, the only thing I, I wouldn't like uh, bet somebody to uh, say it's going to happen because I've never seen Arteta do it. Like that's right. the only thing right now right. is like we just we don't have a track record of Arteta right. being willing to start him there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's basically it. I mean, that's that's everyone I wanted to talk about. So uh, you know, thank you for, so much for coming on. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this up. Where can people you know follow you, listen to your podcast, read your work, etc. Yeah, so uh, the canonstats.com is the, the spot where I do my writing. So you'll get lots of in-depth pieces about uh, Arsenal. I do sometimes uh, write about more uh, Premier League general type of stuff or just uh, stats in general, being able to do it. Um, I have a, a podcast on Canon Stats with uh, my co-host uh, there. Um, and then you'll also find me on the, the Arsenal Vision podcast, uh, right. talking about Arsenal and being able to, to do stuff there. Um, on the, the social medias, yeah, on the, the site formerly known as Twitter, Scott J. Willis, <laughs> um, also on threads as uh, Canon Stats. Beautiful. Thanks, dude. Beautiful. Loved it. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.